Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday stream at Flat Creek Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you've joined us today, whether you're watching online or you are joining us on Glory FM 97.5. We are grateful for you being here today, and we look forward to worshiping alongside of you this morning. God bless you, and enjoy the stream. again good morning it is good to see you here today and we are so grateful that you've come to join us for a time of worship here at flat creek baptist church and what greater way to start a service than to start it with baptism amen and today we have two young people coming to testify to the entire world of what the lord jesus christ has done in their lives so i want y'all to give a big hand this morning for rocket y'all give a big hand today Hey, Rocket is no stranger uh, to Flat Creek Baptist Church. He's been here uh, really his entire life, coming through our Juana's ministry, now as a part of our youth ministry. And uh, a lot of you have been praying for Rocket for a long time to give his life to Christ. We were just talking in Sunday school about the power of corporate prayer. And friends, this is an answer to your prayers. Amen. This young man standing here today. And this past Wednesday night during our time in youth, uh, Rocket gave his life to Christ along with four other young men who this past Wednesday night gave their heart to Christ. Let's give the Lord a big hand on that. And so it is my honor to stand here with you today, Rocket. Have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Then it's my pleasure to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. That's so great. Y'all give a big hand for Nyla today. Nyla, you come on. Nyla's another one of our high school students. Uh, she goes over to Flowery Branch High School. And uh, she really just started coming to Flat Creek just recently in the last two months or so. Uh, but two Wednesday nights ago after small group, uh, she got a hold of Summer and she told her, she said, for weeks now I've been hearing Pastor Zach say, somebody needs to get saved. Somebody needs to give their life to Christ. And she said, he's talking directly to me. And I can't go any further. I need to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here she stands today uh, as a testimony of what God's done in her life. So Nyla, have you given your life to Christ? Yes. Then it's my pleasure to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey, it's so amazing to be able to stand in these waters and to baptize. And here's what I'll say to everybody. Uh, there's more water, meaning there's room for you if you need to give your life to Christ and be baptized. We rejoice over the ones who have been baptized this year. We've had 62 people this year baptized here at Flat Creek. 
And right now we have five more awaiting baptism. So that'll bring that number all the way up to 67 people this church year who have given their life to Christ. And we are so grateful for each of them. And here's the truth. It might be you today that needs to give your life to Christ. And so as always, we want to invite you to come to Jesus, put your faith in him, and experience the new life that only the Lord Jesus can bring. At this time, Brother Caleb and the praise team are going to come. They're going to lead you in a song. Y'all give them a big hand as they come today. I want to invite you to stand, and let's go ahead and greet each other, shake hands, and welcome each other to church this morning. darkness, I called your name. Into darkness, your mercy came. You called me out, lifted me up. How great is your love. In my weakness, you took my shame.
for his love. Thank you. You may be seated. All right. Well, it is good to see you this morning, and we want to welcome you to Flat Creek Baptist Church. And uh, it may be your first time here, and we are so grateful for you being here today. If you are a first-time guest with us at Flat Creek, inside the back of your pews, you're going to find an envelope holder. And if you could grab um, a connections card out of that envelope holder and fill that out for us. And on your way out the double doors today, over to your right-hand side, you're going to see a connections tent. If you could turn that in for us, we have a special gift for you as a way to commemorate your visit to Flat Creek. But also, it's our way to come alongside of you. And so we would greatly appreciate you turning that in. Friends, let's give the Lord a big hand today. We're just so grateful. So grateful to be a part of what God is doing here at Flat Creek Baptist Church. So grateful that you would choose to worship with us today. Uh, we're going to turn it back over to Brother Caleb and the praise team at this time. And the choir, it looks like, is prepared to sing. And so the choir is going to uh, lead us in a great song this morning. So I want you to listen uh, to the choir as they lead us in worship today. Oh, 
Now, what I love, what I love about our choir is I, I truly believe in my heart uh, that's not a show, that's not a performance. They were singing directly to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning uh, in a heart of worship. Y'all might have seen little RJ. RJ, you come right here. Uh, as with her dad, Clark. Clark, you come here too. RJ, a precious little girl. Let's put her right here so you can see her real good. RJ, Caleb, why y'all were singing, man? We had your back turned. Uh, RJ, come down this aisle and grab me by the hand and said, Pastor Zach, I need to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> and this is such a precious moment. You know, RJ was in my Awanas class and Summer's Awanas class a couple years ago and she's been coming through our Awanas ministry for some time and I know God's been working on her heart and for her to come down with that boldness this morning, you know, the Bible says just the faith of a little child. That's all it takes. Just the, just the faith enough to say, Jesus, I need you to save me. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Listen, we're going to sing a song now. We're going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Uh, our praise team this morning is going to lead us in just a, a really simple song called Give Me Jesus. And all we're going to ask you to do right now is this song is song is just truly just pray to God. We just want you to stay seated this morning. Just pray to him. Call out to him. And just ask God to do a work in your heart as the service continues today. And so you just listen. If you want to sing out loud, you can sing out loud. If you want to come down to this altar and pray, you can come down to this altar and pray. I'm right here on the front row. If you want to be like RJ and come give your life to Christ, just run on down here and take me by the hand. would love to lead you to Jesus this morning. So y'all just pray worship this morning as our praise team leads us and give me Jesus. Love you. Pray. In the morning when I sing this last verse together.
It's been a special service, has it not? What a time. Listen, we're going to sing one more song together, and I want y'all to sing it strong. I know you know it. It's what a beautiful name. Let's lift this up. Let it be a word of testimony today. It's Rocket's testimony now. What a beautiful name it is, and he has the power. Let's sing it. Thank you. 
so much for singing. Please be seated. Amen. Let's give the choir, the praise team, everybody a big hand this morning. Wow. What a joy. I just, I just get to be the guy that's blessed enough to get to testify after that because I'm sure that if you were given the opportunity, you would have plenty of things to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ today. At this time, if you are in the room and you're between the ages of kindergarten and fifth grade, uh, you can come right over here behind the piano, and our workers for Children's Church are going to meet you right here. You can come on that direction, and you can see them all coming. Many, many, many. Isn't that a beautiful sight, Flat Creek? How beautiful is that? I, I, just, I just feel led to do this. Brother Brent, Brent, I'm so sorry. Can you get back on that piano and lead us in Jesus Loves Me? Y'all just stand back to your feet. Let's just sing Jesus Loves Me together. Brent, you just go right ahead. The Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. Thank you so much. Y'all may be seated at this time. Just, it's so good, you know. That's the, sim the most simple song. Isn't that the most simple song? The most simple song, but it is so rich with, with deep theology. Just to think that God loves us through his son, Jesus Christ. What a beautiful, beautiful song. You know, we've had eight people now since last Wednesday. So Wednesday a week ago, 11 days ago, we've had eight people give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. 67 people this church year have given their life to Christ. And as you consider those 67 people, just think about this. That's 67 people whose names are now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 67 people whose eternity is now secure. And as we begin our time in the Word together today, I can't help but wonder if there's not somebody else in the room today who needs to be saved. Just like little RJ so boldly come down here to the front during the choir singing to ask to give her life to Christ. I can't help but wonder if there's not somebody else today that needs to be born again, that needs to come from death to life. 
And so right here today at the very beginning of our time together in the word, I just want to take a brief moment to extend an invitation to you. Extend an invitation to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. In just a few moments, we're going to come to the end of our service. And when we come to the end of our service today, traditionally here at Flat Creek Baptist, we have a time of invitation. It's a time where our praise team will come back and I'll come right here to the altar. And I'm going to ask you at that time to make a bold step of faith. Maybe you've never done this before. But at that moment, I'm going to ask you just to take a step out into the aisle and to very boldly come down here to the front and take me by the hand and say, Pastor, I need to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so even now, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we begin our time together today. And it's not lost on me. Yes, it's Sunday morning, and I understand that probably the majority of folks that are in the room today have already given their life to Christ. But I'm reminded of D.L. Moody, who one time said that anytime you preach the gospel, 75% of the people who are hearing you are lost. And he based that on the parable of the sower. You do remember that as the sower went out to sow the seed, he sowed the seed in the four types of soil, but only one type produced fruit. That means that 75% of the soil that the seed fell on did not have a true and living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The word never took root and never, it never began to produce fruit. So even though it's Sunday morning, and I know the majority of you have probably prayed to receive Christ at some time in your life, there's maybe one, maybe more that's never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And right now at the very beginning of this service, I want you to pray and ask God to search your heart to truly search your heart and through his word, I want to ask you to pray that God would speak into your life. And if you need to be saved, that he would convict your heart today of your need for Christ. Father, I love you. And I thank you for each and every person that's here today. And Lord, here at even the beginning of this time together, we just want to invite people to come to Christ. It's all about you. It's not about us. I love that, that verse in that song we were just singing that said, The heavens are roaring the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. And I think about how your word says, When one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. This morning, when little RJ walked down that aisle and gave her heart to Christ. Last Wednesday, when five young men gave their life to Jesus. A Wednesday before that when Nyla was saved and 67 people across this church here, their names are, are, are echoed in heaven and all of heaven rejoices because another sinner has come home. And Lord, there might be somebody right now under the sound of my voice. They hear me say it every Sunday. You need to be saved. You need to be saved. You need to give your life to Christ. And maybe they've been battling it for some time. Today would be the day where they finally say yes to you. I'm praying at the end of this service, God, that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, might give them the boldness to step out in faith and to say yes to Christ Jesus, to be reconciled to a holy God. Lord, this service is all about you. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll open your Bibles today to the book of Romans, chapter number 6. The book of Romans, chapter 6. I want to bring a message to you today entitled... When the old man dies, when the old man dies, 
kind of coming out of what we talked about last week, this beginning uh, of the doctrine of sanctification, how God through the Holy Spirit is ridding you of your old nature and transforming you into the life and the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We preached a message last week entitled, From Death or, or Death to Sin and Alive in Christ. But today I want to talk to you on this subject, when the old man dies. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 6 of Romans 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so we would no longer be slaves to sin. As I think about this topic, when the old man dies, I'm reminded of those two brothers. They were notorious in the little town that they lived in, notorious for their bad behavior, lifetime criminals. They both had a propensity for evil. You could say that these two brothers, for all intents and purposes, were godless individuals. And one day, as fate would have it, one of those brothers died. And the other brother began to search across town for a pastor who would be willing to speak at the funeral of his evil brother. And so he finally came to a local pastor and he asked him if he would preach the funeral. And he, the pastor agreed. And, and then there was a stipulation. Well, pastor, I'll tell you what. I'll give you $10,000 if at the funeral you'll call my brother a saint. Well, the pastor knew that this individual was a godless individual, an evil individual, had a lifetime of bad behavior. But $10,000 is $10,000. And everybody in the town began to talk. The rumor began to spread. Will the preacher call this man a saint despite who he is? So the day came, and because the rumors had gotten so great, the church was full. People were everywhere wanting to know, will the pastor give in? Will he accept the bribe? So the pastor stood up and he looked over the casket of the man and he said, everybody here knows that he's notorious for his bad behavior. He's a lifetime criminal. He has a propensity to evil. This man, for all intents and purposes, was a godless man. But compared to his brother, He's a saint. <laughs> now, I love to tell that story, of course, and it's a, it's a joke about physical death. However, however, what that joke does is it does highlight the nature of all people apart from Christ. You see, I, I understand this morning that when I talk about the death of the old man, that, that to some folks in the room today, that's just what we would call Christian lingo. You might not really understand what I'm referring to. So if I can, I'd like to try to break it down for you a little bit this morning. You see, for us to understand why the old man must die, we must first understand the nature of the old man. Now, when we think about the nature of the old man, understand that I'm simply speaking of the natural man, who you are simply by virtue of your natural birth. Now, let's just say today, my, my birthday's coming up in a month, as a matter of fact, October 18th. Well, let's just say one month from now, you decided you were going to get me a gift. And you decided, you know, I, I think I know what Pastor Zach wants. He wants a pig. And you were to say, you know, little June, she, she likes animals, so let's buy the pastor a pig. And so you were to come in here on my birthday in one month, and you were to give me this sweet little piglet. 
And I were to take it home and, and I were to present it to my family and all of us had this idea. We're going to raise that pig as a human. Every night we're going to put it in the bathtub and we're going to scrub it. We're going to make it clean. And every night we're going to polish his little nails and we're always going to put a bow in his tail. We're going to let him sleep in our bed and we're going to raise him just as a human child. And let's just say a little time passes by and one afternoon, for whatever reason, I go upstairs, the pig is downstairs and I left the back door open. What do you think that pig's going to do? He's going to find that door and when he finds that door, Philip, he's going out of that door and where's he going? He's going straight to the mud hole. Do you know why? Because he's a pig. It's his nature. That little pig will always, every single time that he gets out of that door, he will go to the mud. It's who he is. John chapter number 3, Jesus is speaking to a religious leader by the name of Nicodemus. This is the famous text where Jesus tells Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. And just before telling Nicodemus about being born again, this is what, right after he tells Nicodemus of being born again, here's what Jesus says to him. He says, Nicodemus, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. You see, when Jesus said these words to Nicodemus, he was intellectually driving him to consider the state of the natural man. And this is something that Paul has done extensively across the first five chapters of the book of Romans as he speaks on the nature of humanity. And what has Paul taught us across these first five chapters? That humankind is totally depraved. Now, totally depraved is that theological doctrine which speaks of the nature of humanity as a result from original sin. This doctrine teaches that as a consequence of man's fall, all people who are born are born spiritually dead and enslaved to the service of sin because of their fallen nature. We talked about this just a few weeks ago. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12, what did the apostle Paul write? He said, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. What Paul has just reaffirmed in chapter 5 and verse number 12 is what Jesus taught Nicodemus. What Paul tells us in chapter 5, 12 is this, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Friends, as a result of the fall of Adam, who was our federal head, all people everywhere, no matter who they are, are sinners by nature. All people everywhere, apart from Christ, across the globe, are guilty in the courtroom of God. In Adam, we have all sinned. For all of Adam's children are sinners by nature. And because of that, there are four things that are true about the old man. Four things that are true about a person who is apart from Christ. So let me break this down for you. When we think about the nature of the old man, number one, apart from Christ, all people are spiritually dead. Apart from Christ, all people are spiritually dead. Now, the most famous text on this is actually found in the book of Ephesians chapter number two. It's in Ephesians 2 that the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus and he's telling them of what Christ has accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's there in Ephesians 2 that Paul famously writes, But you 
were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. The word for dead there in the book of Ephesians is the word necros. It means dead. It's the picture of the man in the casket. There is no life. And friends, apart from Christ, this is your standing. Although this morning you walk into Flat Creek Baptist Church physically alive, apart from Christ, you are spiritually dead. Would you listen to what Charles Spurgeon once said about this? Charles Spurgeon said, man, as he is, before he receives the grace of God, loves anything and everything above spiritual things. If you want proof of this, just look around you. There needs to be no monument to the depravity of the human affections. Cast your eyes everywhere. There is not a street, nor a house, nay, nor a heart, which doth not bear upon it the sad evidence of this dreadful truth. Why is it that men are not found on the Sabbath day universally flocking to the house of God? Why are we not more constantly found reading our Bibles? How is it that prayer is a duty almost universally neglected? Why is it that Christ Jesus is so little beloved? Why are even his professed followers so cold in their affections toward him? Whence arise these things? Assuredly, dear brethren, we can trace them to no other source than this. The corruption of our affections. We love that which we ought to hate. And we hate that which we ought to love. It is human nature. Fallen human nature. That man should love this present life better than the life to come. It is but the effect of the fall. That man should love sin better than righteousness. And the ways of the world better than the ways of God. And again we repeat it. Until these affections be renewed. And turn into a fresh channel by the gracious drawing of the Father. It is not possible for any man to love the Lord Jesus Christ. For he is by nature spiritually dead. Apart from Christ, you are dead. Now there's a second thing we must know about the old nature. And it's this. That apart from Christ, we are all under dominion. We are all under dominion. What do I mean by that? Well, look at verse 5 and 14 of the book of Romans. What does Paul say there? Nevertheless, death reigned. And look down at chapter 5 and verse 21. He says there, he says, so that as sin reigned in death. You see, all people everywhere this morning think that they live in a, mono, in a democracy. They think that they are free. But friends, we're actually part of a monarchy from the day of our birth. You see, by nature, we're a part of the kingdom of this world. Sin sits upon her lofty throne this morning. Her grisly claws have been sunk deep into the flesh of all humankind. She mocks, she taunts, she berates, she belittles, she strikes a heavy blow. And although humanity likes to think themselves as free, they are but slaves to sin. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 8, if any man sins, he is a slave to sin. And I want you to listen to the many times that Paul affirms this in Romans chapter number 6. Listen to what he says. Verse number 6, he says, so that we would no longer be slaves of sin. Meaning that apart from Christ, you are a slave to sin. Verse number 12, therefore do not let sin reign. 
in your mortal body. Don't allow her to be your queen. Verse 14, for sin shall not be master over you, meaning apart from Christ, sin is your master. Verse 16, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? Today, if you are obeying unrighteousness, you're a slave to it. Verse 17, though you were slaves to sin. Verse 19, for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity, to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness. Verse 20, for when you were slaves to sin. Friends, not only apart from Christ are you spiritually dead, but you are spiritually enslaved. Spiritually this morning, apart from Christ, you are shackled. The chains are heavy. And the shackles on your wrist only become tighter and tighter the further you plunge into a life of debauchery. Now, no one likes to think of themselves this way, but spiritually it's true of every single person. And it answers the question of why things are the way they are. You know, I have a cousin of mine who not too long ago called me on the phone and told me, he said, Zach, I want you to know that, man, I, I just really... I." I'm a drunk, and I, I love to drink liquor, but I hate it. I hate drinking it. And every day that I wake up, I make a commitment in my heart, I'm not going to drink liquor anymore. And I go to work, and I get off work. And as I'm driving home, I pass by the liquor store. And as I pass by, I think to myself, well, I'll just pull into the parking lot. And I sit in the parking lot, and this is what he said to me. He said, I weep while I sit in the parking lot knowing that I don't want to go in that store and drink liquor, but then something tells me, there's no reason for you to be out here drinking or crying in the car. You might as well go inside. He says, so I get out, and I walk inside, and I walk through that liquor store. And I'm thinking the whole time, I don't want to do this. I don't want to buy this. I don't want to be drunk again. Before long, I'm at the checkout counter, I'm buying the liquor, and before I know it, I'm drunk again. Why is it that he walks into the liquor store? Why is it that he buys it? Why is it that he drinks it every day? He is enslaved. The woman who's here today, who's addicted to pornography, you continue to look at it day after day, even though you tell yourself, I'm not going to look at it anymore. You're enslaved to it. The gossip who's here today who keeps gossiping, even though you've started many fires and destroyed many lives, why do you keep gossiping? It's because you're a slave to it. The idolater, why do you keep bowing down to false gods, even though you know there's an emptiness to it? It's because you're enslaved to it. You are shackled. You can't break the chains. Sin is your master. She is your queen. You're dead spiritually. You're under dominion spiritually. Number three, all people are doomed. Because you are dead in sin and because you are under the reign of sin, all people everywhere are destined to die. In just one month, like I said, I'll be 41 years old. I can remember being eight years old and being in third grade and being in class, and I can remember 
them saying, my teacher saying you had to be 35 years old to be president of the United States. And I can remember sitting there in my mind and thinking to myself, 2017, that's my year. I'm going to be president, which I'm going to go ahead and announce my candidacy right now. So y'all vote for me in two years or whenever that is. But I remember thinking, 2017, 1990, man, that's forever away. And here we are six years past it. And every time I go and look at myself in the mirror, do you know what I realize? Man, I've got gray hair now. I got age spots popping up all over me. Now you can ask Caleb. He hears me every day in the office talking about how bad my body hurts. You know what I realized today? I'm dying. This body is passing away. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I die every day. Meaning every single day, he's getting one day closer to the day of death. Every year that passes, we count up. I'll be 41. And if God tarries this time next year, I'll be 42. But the Bible says that God knows the beginning of our days from the end of our days. We count up, but God's clock is counting down. And eventually your time is going to run out. Genesis 2, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will certainly die. Because you're Adam's child and you have fallen into sin, Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5, 12, death comes through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 5.15, for if by the transgression of the one, many died. Romans 5.17, for if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Romans 7.5, for while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were aroused by the law, were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. Friends, God keeps his promises. All men, all women... All little boys and all little girls will one day eventually die. Throughout the ages, there have been those who have tried to cheat death. There have been those who have tried to extend their life through healthy eating and more healthy lifestyles. There have been those who have tried to defy the odds of aging through cosmetic practices. All people are trying to preserve their lives. But God keeps his promises. You can try your best to defy the odds. You can move into your house and install a bubble and you can get inside of it so that you never are exposed to any bacteria, any virus, and that tragedy might not strike you. But one day, even inside that bubble, you will die. It's your destiny. Sadly, even more, because you're dead in sins, because you're under the dominion of sin, and because you're doomed and destined apart from Christ to die, this fourth thing about the nature of the old man is true all are damned all are damned all people everywhere apart from Christ are damned now we don't like to talk about this in the church today people everywhere like to talk about God's love and God's mercy and God's compassion which are attributes of God which should be magnified but what have we learned across the book of Romans love Mercy, compassion are not the only attributes of God. What do we learn in the first three chapters? That all people everywhere are condemned in the courtroom of God. 
All people apart from Christ are guilty. Chapter 1, the pagan Gentile is guilty. Chapter 2, the religious Jew is guilty. Chapter 3, the whole world is guilty. Chapter 3 through 5, we all need to be justified in order to be not guilty in the courtroom of God. But somebody would say to me, well, Pastor Zach, that's Paul's teaching. But Jesus was much more loving. Jesus didn't talk about that stuff. You do know that Jesus talked more about the subject of hell than he talked about any other subject during his earthly ministry. He called hell a place of torment, a place where the fire never ceases. He called it a place where the worm never dies. And he even mentioned the great chasm that has been fixed between heaven and hell that cannot be crossed. Jesus spoke of the folly of people down here on earth who build bigger barns and bigger houses valuing things in this life when your soul could be required of you tonight. He warned that a man could gain the whole world yet lose his soul. He even said on the day of judgment there will be many who say to me, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We did mighty things in your name. We did great works in your name. Only to hear the Lord Jesus say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. Jesus said in John 3, 18 through 20, that same passage where he spoke of being born again. He said, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the one and only begotten son of God. This then is the judgment. The light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. You know, I can remember a few years ago being asked to come preach in South Korea. And so I go over to South Korea, and while I'm there, uh, it was kind of a strange season because it was during one of Kim Jong-un's nuclear tirades. Of course, he's the dictator of North Korea, so every day on the news, he was threatening a nuclear strike against South Korea, and I was there. And I can remember one day going over to the Korean War Memorial Park in the middle of Seoul, South Korea, and there were literally thousands of Koreans everywhere. They were playing in the fountains. They were buying and they were selling. And they were going on their life without a care in the world. And I remember thinking to myself, what did they not understand? There's a madman just a few miles up the road and his hand is on a red button. And at any moment he could vaporize us all. But these people seem to go on life as usual. And I remember thinking to myself, maybe I should be the guy. Maybe they don't know. Maybe I should be the guy that gets up on a park bench and lets everybody know, hey, have you watched the news? There's a madman that's about to obliterate us all. Go home. Get in a bunker. Store up treasures. Store up goods. Understand, it's going to happen. And as I was sitting there, I'll never forget how the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart and said, are you equally concerned of the billions upon billions of people today are standing upon a lake of fire and could fall in at any moment? Friends, there's so many people that want to know why we are so passionate at Flat Creek Baptist Church about the lost. Why it is that every single time we come in these doors, we sing songs that exalt Christ and we invite the lost to be saved. 
There are people that want to know why we are so adamant that you must put your faith and trust in Jesus to obtain eternal life. And it's because of the truth of the nature of the old man. You're dead spiritually. You're under dominion spiritually. You're doomed and destined to die. And you're damned in the courtroom of God. And yet you go on life as usual. Acting as if you don't have a care in the world that your feet today are standing atop a lake of fire and at any moment you could fall in. And here I am every Sunday standing on the park bench, if you will, shouting to you, do you not see? Do you not understand? Do you not know the, the danger that you're in this morning? And every day you walk out of this place and just go on life as usual. This is not a game. This is real stuff. Here's the thing, friends. If Romans have told us anything, it's this. There's hope. There's hope for the lost world. There's hope to be reconciled to God. You see, you've been separated him from him because of your sin, but today you can actually be reconciled and have the hope of eternal life. Why? Because the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. All things have passed away, and look, new things have come, which leads us to examine the nature of the new man. What is the nature of the new man? Well, if we go back for just a moment, and you think about that first illustration I gave you about the pig. All right? You give me the pig, I clean him up, I treat him like a human. I leave that door open, he's going to run out. If I brought him back in the house, cleaned him up, left the door open tomorrow, guess what he's going to do? He's going to go back out. A thousand times out of a thousand, that little pig is going to run out the door and he's going to get in the mud. You see, no matter what I do to him outwardly, it doesn't change who that pig is inwardly. In order for him to stay out of the mud puddle, I got to reach down inside of him and change his nature. And you say, Pastor Zach, that's impossible. And you're right. When it comes to pigs, it's impossible. But when it comes to humanity, it's not. And friends, that's the hope of the gospel. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be made new. In that same text where Jesus says, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. What does he follow it up with? But whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Just as a man is born naturally, he can be born again supernaturally. And when you're born again supernaturally, new life begins. And guess what that means? Who you once were no longer exist. A change has occurred. Just listen to the many times that Paul, across chapter 6, mentions the death of the old man. What does he say? How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Verse 3, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried, verse 4, with him through baptism into death. 
Verse 5, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Verse 7, for he who has died is freed from sin's claims. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ. Verse 11, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Galatians 5.24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians 6.14, but may it never be that I would boast in anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. One writer said it like this, the death of Christ on the cross has wrought the extinction of our old former corruption. The greatest picture of that is actually found in the Old Testament. He says we've been baptized into his death. The word there in the Greek is the word baptizo. It means to immerse. We've been immersed into his death. That word baptizo in the Greek is found only two times in the Greek Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Once in Isaiah and once in 2 Kings. Second Kings, the word baptizo is found in the story of Naaman. Do you remember that story? Or Naaman is a man with leprosy, skin disease. And he hears that Elisha is a prophet. And so he sends a messenger to Elisha, the prophet. And Elisha says, if your master wants to get over the leprosy, tell him to go and dip himself, baptizo, into the Jordan seven times. And what does Naaman do? He protests. He said, I'm not going to get in that dirty water. There are much cleaner waters up where we're from. Why would I ever get in that dirty water? That's us. Be baptized in the Christ Jesus. Be crucified with Christ. You protest. There's got to be another way. There's got to be another path. There's, there's got to be something else. And the messenger says back to Naaman, if the prophet of God had told you to do some great and amazing thing, you would have done it. So why not just go dip in the Jordan seven times like he said? And so Naaman goes down to the Jordan. The Bible says that Naaman goes in with that leprosy and he baptizes himself, literally immerses himself seven times in the water. And when he comes out, the Bible says, and his skin was as smooth as a baby, brand new. The leprosy was gone. Friends, that's what it means to be crucified with Christ. A change has taken place. If you've never been changed, you need to check your heart. Because when you come to Christ, the old, past, the, the, the old man ceases to exist. Not only that, but listen, old things have passed away. Sin is no longer your master. You have a new master now. You're a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's your master. That old master, that old monarchy of sin, that old monarchy of death has given way to a new master and a new kingdom in which you now reside in. Those things you used to love, those places you used to frequent, those shackles that once enslaved you, they enslave you no more. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. 
neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And listen to what he says. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. Amazing, isn't it? The moment you come to Christ, a change occurs. Old things pass away and something new comes to life. I mean, this is the question of the hour. How is it possible that the Lord Jesus Christ actually reaches down into a human and changes their nature. Well, look at what it says in verse 5 of Romans 6. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, I want you to focus on that word united for just a moment. Which, if you read these first 11 verses, there's, is, is rich with this idea of being identified in Christ over and over again, united with him, with him, with him. But I want you to focus on that word united. In the Greek, it's the word sympathos. It means to plant alongside of. So what Paul literally says, if we have been planted with Christ in the likeness of his death, we shall certainly be in the likeness of his resurrection. What did Jesus say in John 12, 24? Truly, truly, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, of course, in that text, Jesus is speaking of his own impending death. And he says that his death is going to be like a seed, which in the palm of your hand lies dormant. But the moment that seed is placed into the earth through the process of decomposition, literally through the process of death, something mysterious begins to happen. You see that outer shell of the seed known as the husk, it begins to die. And as it dies, a little germ of life springs forth out of the inside of that dead seed. Something amazing happens out of death comes life. Friends, it's amazing. Every plant you look at on the outside of this building, whether it's a flower or a tree or a blade of grass, is literally shouting. It is possible. It is possible for God to bring life out of death. The entire world is shouting at you. This is God's way. In order to live, you must die. Jesus says, unless he is planted in the earth, unless he is literally dead and buried, he will remain alone. But if he suffers and dies, his death will bear much fruit. You see, this is where evangelists and pastors have gotten it wrong for so many years. Even I have gotten it wrong. For years, you've heard the following statement. Give your life to Christ. Just give your life to Christ. I've said it hundreds of times from this stage. Give your life to Christ. But do you realize that terminology is never used in the Bible? Do you know why it's never used? It's because Jesus doesn't want you to give him 
your life. Jesus wants to give you his life. And friends, that's why all things are brand new. What does he say in John 15? He says, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the picture that Paul is painting in Romans 6, being united with him, being planted with him. That branch that is planted next to the vine and is grafted in. As that branch grows next to the vine, the vine's life becomes the life of the branch. That life is now flowing through you. That is how you can actually be brand new because he's given you his life. You see, friends, that, that old nature, the moment you put your faith in Christ through the process of regeneration, somehow, some way, in the eyes of God, the old nature is transported 2,000 years ago to Mount Calvary and is nailed to the cross with Christ Jesus. And simultaneously, at that moment, he quickens the Holy Spirit to your dead spirit, and you are resurrected to walk in the newness of life. No longer dead, but as Paul says in Romans 6, 11, alive to God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means his life is now your life. His ways are now your ways. His thoughts are now your thoughts. His mind is now your mind. His desires are your desires. His grace is your grace. His mercy is your mercy. His compassion is your compassion. His love is your love. His heart is your heart. Because his life is in you. Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, as I thought about this this week and thought about this transformation, I was reminded of a time a few years ago that I was asked to come over to Romania to preach a crusade. And I, I got linked up with a pastor there and a really nice guy. And he was really just planting churches all over Romania. He would go in these little villages and they would find a spot. They would build a church building and they would just send somebody down there and they would just plant churches. So he takes me to this little farming city, this little farming town, and he begins to show me around. He shows me this certain piece of property. It's got an old dilapidated house upon it. And he says, this is the place. We're going to tear this house down, and we're going to build a church building here. And this is where we're going to start discipling people and winning souls for Jesus. And so he begins to walk me around the property, and for whatever reason, he walks me inside that old dilapidated house. There's no floor, everything's dirt, everything's falling in. There's multiple people in the house, not just me. And so as I was walking through the house, I, I was looking down, and I saw a piece of glass in the dirt. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I need to get that glass. I need to move it. Somebody might cut themselves. And so I reached down in the dirt, and I began to dig to get that piece of glass up because I didn't want anybody to get cut. And as I began to dig, what I realized is, is this is actually a big piece of glass. So I kept digging and kept digging. And before long, I, I unearthed this entire picture of, of glass, like a, like a, almost like a tea picture of glass. Beautiful. It was in one piece. But it was covered in mud. It was full of dirt. And everybody was looking at me with this glass in my hand. And I looked at the pastor. I said, can I have this? He said, sure, you can have it. It's just going to, you know, get demolished and... 
everybody started calling me a gypsy and they said all these things like, man, why do you want that old piece of muddy glass for? Well, I took it back to the room that we were staying in. I put it in the sink and let it soak in some dishwater for a little while. And then I poured it out, cleaned it off. And what came out was this beautiful piece of hand-blown glass. It was actually a treasure. Now, all of a sudden, what was in the mud, now everybody wanted. So I put that thing in my bag, and I brought it home, and I gave it to Summer. I said, this would be a beautiful piece for you to be able to put flowers in. And today, it's right here on the table with these hydrangeas in it. You've been looking at it all day. And here's the thing. You know what? That, that picture of glass right there, at one time, it was just cast aside. Just a piece of trash. Nobody wanted anything to do with it. But I picked it up. I washed it off. Put some flowers in it. And it's been transformed. It now has life. And every single woman in the room is going to try to steal this today. <laughs> you got to put to death the old nature, okay? Don't do it. Don't do it. But think about the transformation. And that's what Christ does in you. He comes along and he sees you in the muck and the miry clay of this world. Cast off. Nobody else wants anything to do with you. And he reaches down. And by baptizing you with Christ, he cleans you up and he transforms you and makes you new. And now you bear fruit for his glory. This is the process, dear brothers and sisters, of sanctification and regeneration. And so I have to ask you this morning, has the old man ever died? Has the old woman ever died? Have you ever been made new? Is Christ's life in you? Because if it's not, you need to be saved. And you need to give your heart to him. Remember at the very beginning, I told you that at the end, we're going to give you an invitation to come to Christ. And I ask you then to begin to search your heart. And to ask the Lord, if you're not in him, to make that evident to you that you might walk out of here with the newness of life. That old person, the spiritually dead, under dominion, destined to die, damned for all eternity, will cease to exist. And Christ Jesus will give you new life, justified in his courtroom. The hope of eternity before you. But you must allow him to give you his life through repentance and faith. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, Brother Caleb is going to come along with other musicians to lead us in a hymn of invitation. The invitation is simple. If you want to come to Christ, we're going to ask you to make that bold move that I talked about a moment ago. To step out of the aisle and to come down here to the altar to take me by the hand and say, Pastor, you were talking to me today. I need to be saved. I need to be made brand new. I need to be a new creation in Christ. This invitation is for you. We're going to ask everybody to raise to their feet. As Brother Caleb, Randy, and Miss Janet, they lead us in the song, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. If you need to be saved, I'm right here. You just come on right now. Come grab me by the hand and say, Pastor, today's my day. Don't be nervous. Don't be shy. Take the first step. The Holy Spirit will bring you the rest of the way. You sing with us now as we sing Amazing Grace. My chains are gone.
time and Lord we know there's still folks in the altar who are praying and God we're thankful for those who walked the aisle this morning to just make new commitments and just uh, ask you to fire them up once again and thank you for little RJ who came today to be saved and thank you for Rocket and Nyla who who came this 
morning to be baptized and the others who in the last few weeks have been saved. And Lord, it's just a joy to be, uh, Lord, just a part of something that's alive. And we're thankful for Flat Creek. Lord, it's not a man, it's, it's not a praise team, it's not a choir. Uh, Lord, it's, it's just you. It's just you. As we say all the time, if, if, if they walk out of here today saying what a great preacher or what a great song leader or what a great pianist, we failed. We want everybody to leave with the same, the, the same testimony. What a great God. So, Lord, even now, as we kind of come to this time of closing, I'm praying because there might be somebody who needs to give their life to you. That maybe, just maybe, before the day's over, maybe they didn't have the boldness to step out on the altar. But they'll find me at the door, or they'll find me outside, or maybe they'll find another trusted person and tell them of their desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. All things can be made new. Old sins can be forgiven. I don't know why that, that, that word just is pressed on my heart right now. They said to Peter, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of sins. Can't help but think there's somebody here today that just needs that assurance of forgiveness. And maybe before the day's over, they would say yes to you in all things, Lord. We just want to praise you and give you glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand today. Listen, we're going to close our service together this morning. If, um, if you would like to give to Flat Creek, you can always give on your way out the doors or at flatcreekchurch.net. But if you visited with us today, please swing by that Connections tent and let us know that you came so that we can come alongside of you in your walk with Christ. And if you would like a deeper relationship with Christ or need to talk about being saved, please follow, find me after the service. I'd love to stay back and talk to you a little while and tell you how to have new life in Christ. Brother Caleb, y'all play us out. And you are dismissed. God bless. We love you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sunday stream here at Flat Creek Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia. I am Pastor Zach Williams and it is a great honor to have you join us through our online platform. It is our belief here at Flat Creek Baptist that you should be connected to a local congregation. And so if you are in the Gainesville, Georgia area, we want to encourage you to come out and be a part of what God is doing in our midst. There's nothing like being connected to a local body of believers. However, if you are tuning in today and you are not from the Gainesville, Georgia area and you're tuning in from some other place on earth, what we're gonna encourage you to do is get attached to a local body of believers under good, sound, biblical, doctrinal preaching so that you can be encouraged in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and allow Flat Creek Baptist and our Sunday stream to just be a supplement to what God is doing in your life. Friends, I thank you so much once again for joining us. God bless you. And for more information, you can visit our website, flatcreekchurch.net.
song of love that's ringing over land and sea. Happy tones of joy descending on the Lord's redeemed. Shouting high and singing low, we've got to let the whole world know where the milk and the honey flows and the soul is free. Come along and join this journey with the freedom man. Sing the song of Zion as we march to glory land. Can't you see the home lights burning? Every day my soul is yearning. Come join us on this journey with the freedom man. Freedom man. Freedom man. Christ is calling souls in bondage to the land of rest. Come my young, use easy children, listen and be blessed. Take your brother. Your favorite Southern Gospel music, 97.5 Glory FM. I saw an old friend at the market standing in the checkout line. She began to share her story, and then I told. It was clear we both knew heartache So before I turned to go We made a simple promise That would lighten both our loads I'll pray for you You pray for me And together we'll touch heaven Seven five Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. Hi, I'm.